today on the Rita Mimi Do It Show. So I was chatting with a prospective client the other day, and she had called me because she was really struggling to generate consistent revenue in her business. She was getting clients, she was getting attention, she's building an audience, but some months her revenue is about $5,000, other months her revenue can go as high as ten dollars or $12,000, but then a month or two later, it dips down to $3,000. There's no rhyme or reason or consistency to how clients are coming in when they're signing, and she can't securely predict the revenue that she's generating, which is causing some issues in her business. And so she called me wanting to hire me so that we could create a strategy that would have her business working like a well-oiled machine. So she could consistently attract clients, so she could generate consistent revenue in her business, so she would have that security to be able to make some bigger plans, focus on some bigger things in her business. And when it got to the part of our conversation where I started to tell her how I could support her, she interrupted me. And she said, Rita, I want you to know I have binged all of your podcast episodes, all of them. I listened to them all in a weekend. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. She said, I I have read, even though I don't participate, I have read almost every single post you've put out in the All In Entrepreneur. I watch your Facebook Lives. I've gone on your YouTube page. I looked at the ones that I didn't catch live. I know that you're the coach for me. And I was like, well, this is great. Let, let's get going. And she's like, except for one thing. And I thought, uh-oh, here it comes. And she's like, I know an important part of your work with somebody is mindset. And I get it. I know that you believe that mindset is crucial for success, that it's a cornerstone. But if we work together, I really don't want us to work on mindset at all. I'd like us just to work on strategy. And I was just quiet. <laughs> I wanted to hear what else she would say. And she said, because I already have a really good mindset. I'm a pretty happy, positive person. I look for the lessons and everything. I look for the blessings and everything. And I believe in the greater good of the world and of people. And so I think I'm set there. I really don't think that mindset has anything to do with what's going on with my business. And I really want to spend the time focused on strategy. And I thoughtfully responded. I said, I, I get that. I understand that. However, I'm really not able to work with somebody without talking about mindset. Mindset is the main foundation of any strategy. If you just start taking actions in your business, business building actions, but they're not built upon the right framework, upon the right mindset, what's gonna happen is whatever you build is gonna crumble. And that's what you're experiencing. If your mindset was focused on the right things in the right place, I think that your strategies would be different and you would have different results. And she's like, no, no, no. It's <laughs> no, 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 Rita. It's just that I don't know how to X or I need someone just to tell me if I'm doing Y enough. And I said, okay. But really, I'm telling you that I will not be able to help you get to six figures in your business or generate any consistent revenue or consistency in your business if we're not able to in parallel with the strategy that we're setting, talk about the mindset that must go along with that strategy. Because it's not just about a positive mindset. It's not just about looking for blessings and everything. And it's not about just believing in general that the world is always working for us. There is a lot more to it. 
She's like, yeah, no, Rita, (laughs) I really don't believe that, right? I really believe that mindset is this abstract concept, and I understand it. I get it. I really do. But it's not tangible. You can't reach out and touch it. There aren't action items that you can really, really do for mindset work. It's this overall feeling, and I think I've got the feeling mastered pretty well. I said, okay, if that's what you really believe, then I'm not the right coach for you because Again, I think whatever strategy you build will crumble if it's not built on the right foundation, which is the mindset that goes along with it. And she was like, well, what do you mean? And I started telling her what I believe are the main tenets for a successful six-figure business when it comes to mindset. And as I talked it through, I realized that the reason she was really resistant to mindset is the reason a lot of people kind of discount mindset when it comes to building their business. It feels very abstract. It feels intangible. It feels like you can't measure it, that you can't realize progress, that you can't feel a result, that you just feel different, but that you can't measure a tangible takeaway result. And that is not true. And I think that people have mindset wrong. They're thinking about positive thinking. They're thinking that it's sunshine and rainbows and you just visualize what you want and it's going to come your way and you just believe and feel good and everything will happen. But it's more than that. And that's why I decided to have this episode today, to come to you with this information. So the title of this episode is Eight Six-Figure Mindset Hacks, How Successful Business Owners Think about their business so they realize maximum success. And I'm telling you this so that you can do the same because mindset is crucial. It is the foundation, but it is a lot more than just positive, happy thoughts going out into the world. And if you are able to embrace these hacks that I'm telling you, if you're able to really practice and put into action these exercises, you can't help but realize big, immediate results in your business. So what are they? What are these eight six-figure mindset hacks? I'm going to tell you on this episode of the Rita Mimi Do It Show. Because of Rita, I got on the news. Because of Rita, I had 15 speaking engagements last year. Because of Rita, I've become a six-figure business owner. Because Because of Rita, Rita, I've doubled my revenue by doubling my clients. I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach, also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and blogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show, where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest and others it'll be just you and me, like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine The conversation, yeah, it'll be that real. Hello, hello. I am so excited to be with you today. As many of you know, there was no episode last week. And again, I apologize for that. As you heard in episode 42, I had gone down on vacation to the Blue Ridge region of Georgia. Absolutely incredible, by the way. It was one of the the best vacations, especially during the time of COVID that you could take. Lots of outdoor, lots of space, lots of fresh air. But I came down ready to record. 
a good number of podcast episodes and left the most important pieces of equipment at home in Virginia. And so I brought to you a special episode that was recorded uh, from my cell phone, which did surprisingly well. Way to go, Apple. I was very impressed with that. But that meant I couldn't really record a full episode. It was going to be the audio quality was not going to be anything you guys wanted to hear. So I'm really excited to be back with you today. And I knew that that the next solo episode that I brought you was going to be about episode 41, where I interviewed Daryl Berg. So the name of that episode was Be Bothered, Daryl Berg on How to Make Your Network Work. Although that episode was full of so much more. I... I wanted to title that episode something that would encompass everything that we talked about, and I just couldn't do it. Now, my solo episodes are always pulling out my favorite lessons and my favorite takeaways from the interview that I had. And so I was thinking, well, what am I going to tell you? Because this was full of so many takeaways, and I couldn't even relay that in the title or in the description or in the write-ups of Daryl's episode. I just, it felt like no matter what I did, I couldn't do it justice. But as I listened, and I listened to that episode, I don't know, five, six, seven times, right? A little side note, I listened to all of my podcast episodes, and I listened to them over and over and over again. (laughs) And the reason I do it is, one, to help me with the solo episodes where I'm pulling out all of my favorite takeaways and lessons, but also because that's how I improve. I listen to how I talk. I listen to my mannerisms. I listen to, you know, my breathing. And trust me, there's a lot of work. Podcasting is a lot of work if you want to do it and do it well. So I'm working on very many skills that will help with the podcast. But I listened to this because there were just so many takeaways. And I was like, how do I talk about all of them? And that's when I realized that the main takeaways from each point that Daryl and I talked about had to do with mindset, had to do with the mindsets that I tell all of my clients are necessary to realize six-figure success, which is when I realized, wow, this episode, I could really call them eight hacks for six figures, eight mindset hacks for six figures, or something like that. And I knew exactly what I wanted to share in this episode. So after I had that conversation that I shared at the beginning with the client who did not hire me, by the way, because I basically said I really, she just refused to want to work on mindset. And I said, I am not the right coach for you. Um, I think it's important to know that, right? When you know that you're just not going to be a good fit. But after that, I was like, okay, Mindset is something that we talk about. I sprinkle it in every episode, but I don't think I really say, this is like a checklist. These are the things, these are the ways you implement these mindsets. And these are the ones that I believe are probably the most crucial to realize success in your business. So that's what I'm excited to share with you today. Now, y'all know that I pair most episodes with a beverage. And I came back, I came back. Guys, one thing, if you've never been to the Blue Ridge region of Georgia, that you would not know is that it has some of the most incredible wineries and distilleries. Now, I came back from Georgia with cases of wine from a good number of vineyards. But the one that I'm drinking today is called Symphony. And it's from Cavender Creek, which was a winery that we just stumbled upon, you know, one of those little finds. It was incredible. If you're ever there, please go there. Please taste every single drink that they have, every single wine that they make. It's incredible. But the reason that I picked Symphony is because if you haven't listened yet to my episode with Daryl, then please do. But Daryl Berg is the VP of Music, Licensing, and more. 
for Hallmark. So Hallmark Channel, Hallmark Movies, Hallmark this, Hallmark that, Hallmark everything, right? But his career has been, since he graduated law school, in the music industry. Everything from helping artists get their music out, from being booked, from uh, running music uh, stations. Just go back and listen to his trajectory of his career. But the reason that I'm pairing this with Symphony is because really these mindset hacks that I'm giving you are all lessons that are applicable to musicians. (laughs) Because if musicians are really trying to make music their day job, these are the non-negotiables for them building an audience, being heard, differentiating themselves, being selected by, you know, all of the venues and all of the stations and all of the people and all of the everything that they want to make the sales that they want, to make the impact that they want, to have the experience that they want. And although this was in the context of talking about music and musicians, it's applicable to all of you because musicians who want music to be their day job, they are entrepreneurs first and they are musicians second. But that's because it requires them to have the mindset of a business owner and the mindset of a CEO, but not just any mindset. The mindsets that are required to realize the success that you're wanting. So I'm really excited to just keep sipping on this wine (laughs) and to share these eight mindset hacks with you. So what are they? I'm just going to kind of go down these and just share them with you and tell you how you can put these into practice in your life, in your business immediately. So the first hack that I loved was when Daryl was talking about the importance of loving the process of building your business as much as you love doing the work. And I had asked Daryl, what makes a musician successful versus a musician that just never really seems to get noticed, doesn't reach the goals that they set for themselves. And without hesitation, right, he said, well, the musicians that really make it love the process, the process of the business side of music, not just playing music. And I think sometimes entrepreneurs believe that if they just love what they do enough, the business will build. And unfortunately, that's just not true. When people come to me, one of the things that they're struggling with, one of the things that they're having great difficulty with is the business side of their business, which is fine. You're not supposed to be an expert in all things, right? You're supposed to be an expert in what you do. So if you're a yoga teacher, be an expert in teaching yoga. If you're a social media uh, maven, be a social media maven, right? You don't have to be an expert in every single thing that comes along with growing a business, with back-end office, with email, with digital marketing, you you don't, sales, you don't have to be an expert, but you do have to learn it and you have to get the support that is necessary to allow you to understand and implement and do those things. It is a required part of building your business. But so many people have an aversion to that side. They don't enjoy it. They don't allow themselves to find the process and the strategy to let them enjoy it. Instead, they look at the building your business part as like the necessary evil of being an entrepreneur. But unless you embrace that, and unless you enjoy it, and unless you find a process that really lights you up and that you have just as much fun building the business and working on the back end of the business and doing everything that's required there as you do doing the thing that you do, 
teaching yoga, helping people with social media, uh, doing accounting, whatever that zone of genius is for you. Until you enjoy the process of building your business as much as you enjoy your skill and your craft, you are going to struggle to grow your business to where you want it to be. So you have to use your strengths, the strengths that you love, the skills that you love, and you have to find a way to build your business in a way that you enjoy, which is why finding a good strategy, finding an excellent strategy isn't enough if you don't enjoy it. And so I really want you to sit, like some takeaways from that are to sit and ask yourself, Am I enjoying the process of building my business? So many people enjoy what they do, but when it comes to getting visible, when it comes to having sales conversations, when it comes to having a list and communicating with their audience, when it comes to social media, when it comes to networking, they just don't love it. And that's usually because they're approaching it in the way that they think it should all be approached and not really digging into and finding a way to do it all that feels good to them. So take a bit, like journal this out. What parts of building your business do you love and why do you love it? And what parts of building your business don't you love and why don't you love it? And how can you then find a way to do the process of building a business that lights you up? that makes you excited, that you enjoy as much as your skill, as your craft. That's very important. And that's number one, because if you don't enjoy building a business, you're not going to have a business. You're just really going to have a hobby. So spend some time and think about that. But that's mindset tip, hack, whatever you want to call it. Number one, love the process of building your business as much as you love doing the actual work. Mindset hack number two is stop waiting to be discovered, which really, well, that's Daryl's way of saying it, right? My way of saying it is get over your fear of being annoying. They both work together. You have to get over your fear of being annoying in order to do the things you need to do to be discovered. So again, when we were talking about musicians that make it, musicians that have their music appear in movies and appear in TV and that are on MTV and get the record deals and all of the things, Again, without hesitation, Daryl said the difference, the differentiator, the difference maker, however you want to say it, is the successful ones aren't waiting. They're not sitting there waiting to be discovered. They're not hoping that if they just kind of do the thing that they love, that people are going to find them. It would be the equivalent of if I always go to yoga. I don't know why. Well, you guys all know me. (laughs) You know that I always pick analogies of things I don't do, and I don't do yoga. Like, side note, I've tried it. Don't, I don't want to get emails saying, Rita, no, if you just blah, blah, blah. I've tried all the yogas, okay? I've tried them all. It's just not my thing. And total permission to have something that's not your thing. (laughs) And yoga is not my thing, y'all. But as is my way, I pick analogies of things I don't do. So it's like opening a yoga studio, but not telling anybody, right? And just saying, well, I'm a good yoga teacher, so I'm gonna go rent out this space and I'm gonna decorate it really nicely. And then I'm just gonna open the doors to it. I know that when people just see the sign above the door, they're gonna know and they're gonna come in. And if I just, you know, kind of say, hey, I teach yoga in response to people asking, what do you do? They're all just gonna flow into my studio, right? Well. We all know that that's not true. That's just not the way business works. I mean, I wish it did. I wish it just because you were good at what you do 
And just because you move forward with it, that that's enough to make your business grow. But right? The successful business owners aren't waiting for people to stumble upon their yoga studio and, you know, walk in. Right now, yoga is an analogy to whatever you do. But they're out there getting visible. They're getting themselves discovered. They're doing everything that they need to do to be seen, to be heard, and to be known proactively. But to do that, you have to look at getting visible, getting seen, getting heard, getting known differently. So many entrepreneurs, when I'm talking to them, they're like, I don't want to be annoying. I don't want to be too salesy. I don't want to bother people. I, I think I've shared this before, but I had someone send me a newsletter once and the newsletter had a whole paragraph saying, hey, you know, I know how this is. Not everybody loves getting a newsletter. If you don't want to hear from me, it's totally fine. I understand. You can go ahead and click below and just unsubscribe. There won't be any hurt feelings. And it's like, I had never once thought about unsubscribing from their newsletter until they kind of highlighted it and said, hey, you might want to unsubscribe. And then I thought, well, why? Are they about to bother me? Are they about to annoy me? Maybe I should unsubscribe, right? So our thoughts, what we believe, and we project it out onto our audience, onto our community, that can be a huge saboteur of our success. But one of the biggest ones is to have that perspective that what you're doing is annoying. If that's your default thought, right? Our thoughts become things and you're going to make that your reality. Instead, it was like I was talking to a client just the other day and she's like, Rita, you know, are my clients going to get annoyed with this and with me talking about this retreat so much and aren't they just going to get really tired of hearing about it? And I said, here's the thing. And I want you all to do this right now. I, I asked her, I said, think about like an event that you saw an ad for that you were excited about. It could be for business. It could be for personal. I don't care. A concert or a conference or something. You saw a trip advertised. I, I don't know what it is. A water park, something. And you saw it and you were intrigued and you were like, oh, that sounds fun. I think I would like to go to that. But I mean, you don't take action on it right away. You're still kind of doubting if that's a good way to invest your money. You're like excited, but you want to think about it a little bit. But then you see another post or another ad for it. And then you hear about it again. And every time you hear about it, you get a little more excited. You're like, oh, man, this sounds fun. And you read about it again. And you're like, oh, gosh, it really does. It really sounds fun. And then it comes in front of you again. And you're like, man, I think I should do it. I really do. I really think I should do it. And then it comes in front of you again. And the excitement is just building every single time that you see it. You're getting more and more excited for it until eventually you're like, fine, I get it. It's like a sign from God because everywhere I turn around, this thing is in front of me and I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm so excited about it. I'm ready to do it. And you pull the trigger and you buy the ticket or you, you do whatever, right? You buy the product, you, do, you register, you do whatever it is that you're going to do so you can have or participate in this thing. Well, that's the way the human psyche works, right? Is that we see something, but the more we see it and the more we hear about it, the more excited we get for it until it reaches the level of excitement that we need in order to take action on it. Now, if you're only talking about something in your business once or twice or infrequently, you're not giving people who are interested in it what they need to go through that natural cycle of having their excitement build and build until they're ready to take action on it. You're depriving them of exactly what they need to feel confident and good about making a decision, about investing their money, about investing their time. So as you can see, people who are interested in what you do, 
what you offer, what you sell, every time they hear about it, they're going to get more excited about it. The only people that will quote unquote be annoyed by it are people who have no interest in it. And that's fine because they're never going to buy it anyway. (laughs) They're never going to work with you. They're never going to buy your product. They're not going to do that thing anyway. Now, there is a difference between spamming and giving value whenever you're getting visible. Okay, so I'm not talking about spamming. I'm talking about being valuable in your marketing, which is a podcast for another whole day. But just assume that you're being valuable in your marketing. You have to get over your fear of getting annoying because not only are you doing what is required for people to get really excited, right? But also think about the way the internet works. Think about the way life works. Think about the way people work, right? Let me stick with the internet. They say it, they, they, whoever they are, all the experts, right? And I believe it because I've kind of measured it myself. It takes five times to see something once on the internet, right? So if I post something once, I really have to post about that thing five different times for you to maybe see it once. Because, right, I always say this, like, I saw that post about the retreat and I got really excited about it. But then I was in a meeting and I I had to go right into it and I totally lost how to find the post and I couldn't remember where to go to register. So I was really, really glad when I saw the tweet about it and I bookmarked the tweet, but then I got a phone call and I was like, oh man, so I got an email from you about the retreat. And I was like, yes, okay. So I pulled up the email and I was going to go register, but my credit card was downstairs. And so I thought, okay, at lunch, I'll get my credit credit card and I'll register for the retreat. And then I went downstairs and my kids were screaming and this was happening and I totally forgot about it. And then the next day I saw a post again and I was like, man, but I was on my way out the door. And then I listened to your podcast, but I was in the car. So I heard you talk about the retreat on your podcast, but I was in the car and I couldn't do anything about it right then. I thought, oh, when I get home, I'll do it. But when I got home, my hot water heater (laughs) burst. And so I I, I wasn't thinking about anything other than the hot water heater, right? But I was like, man, boy, do I really need this retreat. So when I went upstairs and I saw your second email about it, I was like, okay, that's it. This is the moment right now I'm doing this thing because this is a sign. I'm supposed to get away from all of this chaos and I'm supposed to go on this retreat and have a good time, right? Like, I mean, obviously (laughs) that could be real. That's not, that's a made up scenario, but you see what I'm saying. What is annoying to you is not annoying to the people that really want what you have. And also, chances are they're not even seeing it, right? You're seeing it a lot, but they aren't seeing it to the same frequency that you are. So mindset hack number two, stop waiting to get discovered. You need to make yourself be seen, be heard, be known. And the way that you do that is to stop thinking that doing those things is annoying and really embrace that people are excited to hear from you and they want to hear about the same thing over and over and over and over again so they can feel even more excited about it. And the people who feel like they're annoyed, they're not your audience, right? So that's mindset hack number two. Mindset hack number three in order to realize six-figure success is to be excellent at what you do. You need to be excellent at your craft. So I know I said you have to enjoy the process of building your business as much as you enjoy doing the work. And that is true. But the number one way to success is to be excellent at what you do. So here's another thing that I see entrepreneurs struggle with. They get into owning their own business and their entire focus 
goes on building the business, getting clients, digital marketing, the process of, right? Everything that you do need to focus on and the process, you know, in a way that you enjoy doing it, yes. But they put all of their time and attention there. And what they stop doing is growing their craft. Maybe they got a coaching certification. Maybe they had taken some social media training. Maybe they had done, you know, some yoga certifications. (laughs) Going back to the yoga again, right? But Then they throw all of their energy into the business building part, and they are no longer getting good at their craft, meaning they're not growing in it. They're not, if you're a social media manager, for example, right, you're spending so much time growing your business and doing just the regular work that you know how to do for your clients, but you're not going to social media conferences. You're not learning about the latest trends. You're not staying up on your industry and innovation and all of the things, right? You're not staying excellent at what you do. Also, when people start their business, this is also something that happens when people start their business, they are so focused on getting the ideal client who is willing to pay them the money that they want to get paid, et cetera, et cetera, that they're not working with anybody. And the only way you can get excellent at what you do is to have clients. And I've said this before, I believe if you're starting your business, the fastest way to success is to remove the paywall so that you can have that experience. So you have the clients that you need to do the work to be excellent at what you do. So the first three of eight kind of mindset hacks that you need to embrace in order to realize six-figure success are to love the process of building your business as much as you love doing the work. You have to find a process that you love. And then you have to stop waiting for people to find you and to be discovered. You have to understand and embrace that people want you to be seen. People want you to be heard. People are excited for it. And you have to let go of the thought that that's annoying or that you're bothering people. And then you have to focus on your craft and being excellent at it. You have to prioritize that, right? You have to prioritize that over the business building. Because if you're not good at what you do, if you're not excellent at what you do, it won't matter how much you try to build your business, right? Because what will happen is people will hire you and word will get around that you're not excellent at what you do. So really be excellent. And hopefully you can see how all of this really is applicable to everyone, including musicians, which is what I loved about my interview with Daryl so much, right? But musicians who love the business part and not just playing music, musicians who are out there trying to get their music heard, get their, you know, names known, musicians who really practice and practice and master their instrument, master their voice, master being a team, master all of the pieces, right? I also don't sing. I also don't play music. So (laughs) there are some more analogies of things that Rita doesn't do. Um, But you can see the importance of this. These are the foundations for success, right? The next is, and I loved that Daryl said this in his interview, because I don't think people think this about musicians, but he said to be successful as a musician in terms of it being your day job, where you're making enough money to live and to get by, right? You might make a lot, you might make just enough, but you can still have it as your day job. He said, but only if you're solving a problem, only if you're being useful. And I don't think people think about that when it comes to music, right? But if 
the way that he explained it is, if you're just playing music you love, yes, that's important. You have to love the music that you're playing. But when you're out there trying to get known, when you're out, you have to market yourself as the solution to a problem. So if you know, for example, he was talking about how people pitch him at Hallmark for their music to be in movies and, and to be in TV shows. And if they just come at, hey, here's some really great music that we do, right? That's not helping him. His problems, quote unquote problems, right, are that he has to place music for particular reasons in very specific things. And it's the music is doing something. It's eliciting an, an emotion or it's creating an experience or it's feeling, feel, you know, making people feel a certain way, whatever that is. The music has to solve that problem for him. So the more that you can position your music as the solution to a problem, the more the venue owners are going to, you know, if you think about venues, right, like concerts, and all, what's the problem? Selling tickets, making money, getting people to come out. Like you have to market yourself as the solution to the problem of the person that you're trying to get to decide, to the decision maker, to hire you, to say yes. And I see entrepreneurs falling into this trap all the time of loving what they do and just thinking, well, people are going to love it too. Mainly, not so much with the thing that they do, because usually they know the thing they do is solving a problem. So like digital marketing solves a problem. Yoga solves a problem, right? (laughs) Music even solves a problem. So people love what they do. That part I think people pretty much have down. But when it comes to how they're distributing what they do, so creating a certain course, They create a course because they love the concept of the course, but they're not thinking, does this solve a problem? I mean, this happens a lot with service-based entrepreneurs, but if you think about it with product-based entrepreneurs, right? If you just decided that there was gonna be a combination head scratcher, back scratcher that just automatically scratched your head and your back at the same time, and you love this idea because your head always itches and your back always itches and you're like, oh, this just feels so great. Don't I come up with the weirdest things, guys? I come up with the weirdest things. To have this thing, like, watch somebody invent this and make a lot of money. Um, But to have this thing, like, automatically scratch your head and scratch your back and, oh, it would be great. And so you just pour all this money into it and you just develop it and you make it and you just uh, have so many of them in inventory and you go to sell them and nobody buys them. And you're like, what? But you find out nobody else in the world has that problem, right? That's not the problem. Or or they do, but that wasn't the way that they wanted that problem solved, right? Maybe their back itches and their head itches, but, like, they're not just wanting an automatic head back scratcher because they look weird. They just want to get rid of the itch forever or, you know, I don't know. I really, my, I've got to get better. <laughs> I've got to get better with these analogies, guys. But you see what I'm saying, right? So you need to really come at your business first from solving a problem and being useful. Meaning you have to believe that you solve a problem and that you are useful to other people, right? Which ties into knowing then you're not a bother. Because if you're useful and you're solving a problem for someone, why would they ever be tired of hearing from you if you're giving value and not spamming, right? But you have to clearly identify what those are. So like your actions so far, right? Because we're halfway through these mindset hacks, guys. Your actions so far is to really jot down a list of the way that you're going about growing your business and identify what you don't like about the business building part and identify what you do like about the business building part. Identify the strengths and the skills you want to use more of. Identify what lights you up and let Let's come up with a strategy to utilize those things for the actual building of the business, right? Then you need to write down all of the reasons why you think you're a bother, 
and why you think you're annoying to people. And then you need to cross those out and you need to write the opposite of why you're valuable, of why you're useful, of why you're solving a problem for people so that you can see it, you can touch it, you can feel it. Because I think sometimes we lose sight of how it's solving a problem in the lives of other people. In fact, for a lot of entrepreneurs, when I ask them, what are the problems that you solve? They start telling me the thing that they do. And I'm like, no, no, no. But what are the problems that you're solving for people? And they're like, well, I help people market digitally. That's what I do. They don't know how to market digitally, and I help them market digitally. And I'm like, but that's not their problem. They're not tossing and turning at night saying, man, I just really wish I knew how to do digital marketing, <laughs> right? They're tossing and turning at night thinking, oh, I just need a client. If I don't get a client soon, I'm going to have to shut my business, or I really need to make more money. I'm not going to be able to pay my bills or, wow, I really, I'm not feeling confident about whatever, right? They're, they're having these other things or thinking. Digital marketing becomes the way they solve that problem. But digital marketing itself is not the problem. So what you do, yoga or digital marketing or even business coaching or whatever, that's the solution to the problem. But that's not the problem. So you really need to embrace the fact that you're solving bigger problems and you have to own it and say, I really am solving those problems. Because sometimes when you think about the problems that you're solving, you don't want to own and accept that you're actually good enough to help solve those problems. So I saw this with a member of my, well, a couple of members of the program I'm currently running called The Most Important Thing. And when I said, okay, so here are the problems you're solving. You work with business owners and you help them make more money. You help them make more sales. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't say that. I can't say that my photography helps people make more sales. And I'm like, no, no, no. You're not guaranteeing anybody that they're going to get more sales because of your photos, for example, or because of the LinkedIn profile you write for them, right, for example. But a LinkedIn profile is a way people get more clients. And when they get more clients, they make more money, right? Your branding photography is a way that people will get more eyes on them. They'll get more clients. They'll make more money, right? But they're not tossing and turning at night saying, man, if I could just get some really good branding photography, everything would be great. They're thinking, if I could just make more money, if I could just get a client, right? And so a lot of entrepreneurs are scared to say, yes, I help people with that bigger thing because they think, well, I'm not an expert in sales. I'm not an expert in XYZ. So I can't be the solution to that. But that's not true. You have to think of the people you're helping. Think of the problems that they're having and how can what you do be useful to solving those problems, okay? So you really need to brainstorm that. And then of course you have to be excellent at your craft. I want you to brainstorm all of the different ways that you can get better at what you do. What are your industry conferences? What are associations for your industry? Uh, for example, a lot of entrepreneurs join, the, and I'm a member of this, so I love this organization, the National Association of Women Business Owners. That's a great organization, but it's not a business coaching industry-specific organization, right? You need to join a coaching, if you're me, I need to be joining, you know, like the International Coaching Federation, or I need to be joining, um, you know, uh, the Women in Business Strategy. Association. I don't know if that's a thing, but I'm going to Google it and I bet it is. Um, but whatever you do, you need to find the trade associations. You need to find industry associations, civic groups, whatever you need to find that have to do with what you do. So you go to trainings and you stay up to date. You become innovative. You think in a more innovative way about what you do and how you solve these problems that you're identifying. Okay. So one of the things that I asked Daryl is there's so many musicians out there and there's so many people pitching you, Daryl. What makes somebody stand out to you? 
What makes somebody get noticed to you and in general in the music industry? And the answer that he gave was that you have to use a laser and not a shotgun when it comes to getting noticed, right? And what that means is you have to pinpoint and narrow and you have to have a very specific thing that you're aiming for and doing as opposed to just casting a wide net, right? So how does that help you? How does that help your business? Well, these are things like having a narrow target market, a very specific narrow target market that you serve. I've shared this before in previous podcasts, but when I started as a dating coach, I could help all singles. I could help all singles have a better experience dating, but to get noticed, to be different, to differentiate myself from other date coaches and to such a wide audience of singles, I had to go more narrow. I had to be more laser focused in terms of who I helped. So I started helping single women in their 40s, but really women in their 40s who were divorced and were dating for the first time since their divorce. And the minute I did that, I was able to really step inside that person's head. Because a woman who's divorced and dating for the first time since her divorce has a very different way of thinking about dating and the issues and the challenges that she's facing than someone who's never been married, who's the exact same age. Everything in their life could be the exact same. And if you only change that one's never been married and is looking to get married and that one is recently divorced and is now looking to date again, it changes everything about how they're thinking about dating, the solutions that they want, the differences that they want, why they're doing it, the urgency, the motivate, all of it, right? So the more narrow you go, the more you differentiate yourself. I do a talk about how to differentiate yourself in a noisy and crowded marketplace. And I pulled something from my time as a dating coach when I ran a program called Take Charge of Your Love Life and Have More Fun Dating. And in the room, I ask people, right? I say, hey, okay, so tell me who in here you know, loves to eat and people raise their hands. And I'm like, cool. Now, how many of you love to cook and fewer people have their hands up? And I'm like, okay, now how many of you here um, love to bake? Even fewer people. Now, how many of you love to bake a pie? Maybe one hand is still up. And I'm like, see how that just differentiated them from the crowd. When you're looking general, like I love food, you're just going to blend in. If what you're doing right can apply to almost anybody, if how you're marketing yourself and what you're saying about your services or your products could apply to almost anybody, you might be really good at what you do, but you're going to get lost in this crowded marketplace, which is what's happening with musicians. So for you to stand out in your industry, in your field, you really need to be laser focused on who you help, how you help them. The narrower you go, right, the more of a specialist you are, the more of a specialist you are, the more people will seek you out, the more money you can make. So that's how you really differentiate yourself, right? You have to embrace going more narrow, being a specialist, solving a problem that is very narrow for a very narrow market, right? You have to be more pinpointed and less wide. And the mindset is usually, well, the wider I am, the wider I go, the wider a net I cast, then the more clients I get, the more opportunities I have, and the more chances for generating revenue I'll have. And it's actually quite the opposite. (laughs) The wider you go, the more generic you are. The more generic you are, the more no one really resonates in this real emotional, specific way with you, meaning they might think that what you do is good, but they're not going to hire you, (laughs) which is where so many entrepreneurs say, Rita, I don't get it. A lot of people are like, wow, what you do is really important. Wow, you really serve a need. Wow, this is really like special. 
but then they don't hire them, right? And it's because you haven't gotten narrow enough that somebody's like, that is me. That is my specific problem. That, that, that right there, that's my problem, right? The divorced woman in her 40s, her problem is, I don't want to make the same mistake again. How do you online date? Online dating was not a thing when I was dating last, right? But for the 40-year-old never married, those aren't her problems. So that wouldn't speak to her. But if I was speaking to both of them, right? Like, oh, just have fun dating. People are like, well, that's great, you know, or find your fulfilling love. People will say, oh, that's great. When I'm ready for that, I will, right? But they're looking for people who understand their specific situation. And that's always going to be different the more narrow that you go in defining who you help. But that's when you attract the most people. So that's a mindset tip to embrace for six-figure success. And it doesn't mean you have to have this really specific target market, only women, only men. I mean, that's something that we can talk about on a call if you're really confused about how to apply this. But it really is thinking more narrowly in terms of where you go network, who you're trying to reach, why you're trying to reach them, the way that you follow up, the products that you put out there, the services that you put out there. So just really think, how am I doing what I'm doing? So how am I building my business? Am I casting a wide net or am I really going narrow with a laser, right? Who am I working with? Am I casting a wide net or am I going narrow with a laser? Like, how am I talking about my services and my products? Am I casting a wide net? Am I going narrow with a laser, right? So really spend some time writing that out and see how you can be more narrowly focused because that is how you get noticed. All right, mindset hack number six, everyone. Remember this. And when Daryl said this in his interview, I think my reaction was like, yes, right? I'm so glad that somebody said this other than me. I'm so glad somebody said this other than me. Now people will listen, right? But you are selling yourself first and you are selling what you do second. So he was talking about this in terms of being a musician, right? Which is the way that you get noticed, the way you get discovered, the way you get selected, the way you make it big, the way that you get hired, all of it, right? is people have to know, like, and trust you. Then the music part is what they fall in love with next, right? So if people are looking for music, there are a million musicians who play the same kind of music. There, there are a million artists who do the same kind of thing. I mean, I think we've all heard people that sound like Dave Matthews or sound like whoever your favorite artist is, right? But the reason then that one over the other gets selected is because they have established trust, likability, and a relationship for them, a one-to-one, right? So why do people hire Rita as a business coach? There are a million business coaches, and for the most part, we all kind of are similar. We have different aspects about how we do what we do, right? And we might have different values and different things, but there are a ton of business coaches. So why do people hire me as a business coach? Because they like me as a person. They know my values. They know my personality. They know how I talk. They know that I laugh in the middle of things and that I use analogies that I don't understand, right? And they like it. And they like my energy. And they like it all. So people are looking for a solution. But the reason they choose you is because of you. And if you aren't highlighting you 
and why you as a person are likable, why what you do is important, right? You, you doing it, why you are good at what you do, not just why business coaching, for example, is good, but why is Rita good as a business coach, right? If you're not doing that, then you're going to struggle to build your business. But a lot of entrepreneurs struggle to do that because they want to hide behind the business. And I know that to be true because I did that when I first started, right? I was Women's Business Garden and it was like at Women's Business Garden, we blah, 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 and we do this and we do that. And I wasn't really letting Rita be seen at all. And and it hurt my business, right? I mean, I was still doing well, but the minute that I owned me, and you don't have to put your name in your business or become the face of your business for this to be true. I just happened to do that, right? By going to Rita Mimi Do It and talking more about Rita. And people were like, oh, yes, this lines up with your energy. This makes sense, right? But for you, I really want you to spend some time writing out why you, not why you do what you do. So not why is yoga important? Not why is social media important? Not why is digital marketing important? Why is the LinkedIn profile important? None of that, right? I want you to go, why you out of all of the people who do that? Why should someone hire you? And when you can connect with people on that level, when they buy you, they will buy what you do if they're looking for that solution, okay? So spend some time writing that out. All right, we're getting down to the last two mindset hacks, guys. This one is one of my favorites. And I put this into practice right after Daryl said it, like immediately after Daryl said this. I had done it before, but I had never done it to the extent that I did after Daryl shared this in his interview. He said, always get feedback Always get feedback so that you get over your fear of rejection. Use rejection as a learning opportunity. Be excited for it. Welcome it. Change your perspective on rejection. So what he said is, you know, for example, musicians, right, or stand-up comedians or whatever, they get very real-time feedback, right, about what's happening. You can tell from the crowd if people are enjoying what you're doing or if they're not enjoying what you're doing, right? But if they're not, you have to investigate why. So I shared before that in my launch for the program that I'm running right now called The Most Important Thing, one of the things that I did was email everyone who had checked out the program and ask them why they ended up not signing up. I could have been sad that I didn't reach, I mean, I shared, I didn't reach my goals for that um, launch, although I did very well, I didn't reach the goals that I had for it. And I could have been very sad as to why I didn't reach the goal. I could have just sat there and been disappointed. I could have said, well, I guess this isn't the right program. I guess people don't want this as much as I thought, right? But that's not helpful. If I had allowed myself to be defeated by rejection, I can't reach success, right? We, we live in a world of duality. You can't have success without failure. You can't have acceptance without rejection. Otherwise, it's just a flat line, right? So one of the best things that you can do, and one of the best things Daryl shared, and he gave lots of examples about musicians doing this, is get feedback, right? Ask why. <laughs> like, Ask why somebody doesn't choose to work with you. Ask the hard questions. People have no problem asking the easy questions. Tell me why you chose to work with me. Tell me why you chose to be in this program, right? Whenever you're getting testimonials, you get the good feedback. But the feedback that's really valuable are those questions you're afraid to ask. Why didn't you sign up for this program? Why didn't you hire me? 
right? Why wasn't I selected for speaking? Why is it that my music wasn't selected for this show, right? Can you give me some feedback? Now, not everyone will give you feedback. Not everyone will answer your question, but you have to start getting in the habit of asking it because when you ask it and you receive it, it can be the difference in your tweaks and your strategies to realize real success. So start embracing rejection. Be excited for it because it's an opportunity for even greater success. And if you can look at rejection that way and celebrate it, I mean, have a one-minute dance party for it. I used to have the people that I coached for date coaching say, look, if someone says no to a date or a second date or they disappear on you or they ghost you, they say no, whatever it is, have a one-minute dance party and say, thank you. I am so grateful for that because it is freeing up space for the right person. Well, same thing here in your business, right? If there's rejection of some kind, say thank you. Do a one-minute dance party. If somebody unsubscribes from your list, if somebody uh, says no to working with you, but don't stop there. Ask why. Now, again, you might not get the answer, but nine out of 10 times you will. And it is usually never what you're thinking. And it's more valuable than you could imagine. All right, guys, we're on the last mindset hack for being a six-figure success in your business. <sighs> this one was really good. And this one can be exhausting. And I know it can sound contradictory. And I've tried to explain it myself. And I think Daryl did a really great job explaining it. So I'll tell you the lesson. And then I'll tell you the story. Okay, so the lesson is start by saying yes until you have to say no. Start by saying yes to everything until you can no longer say yes, right? Meaning when people start their business, the people who succeed the quickest, the fastest in the most sustainable way are the people who aren't so focused on I need the ideal client right from the beginning. Oh, I can't take a client unless they're my ideal client and unless they want to pay me my value and pay me my worth. And I, I have to start there, right? I've told you before about just removing the paywall, taking clients, getting experience. When I started my business, I took every kind of client, right? I started as a dating coach, but I had business coaching clients. I had life coaching clients. I said yes to anybody who wanted to work with me for any kind of way so that I could figure out what I really enjoyed, right? I also said yes to every speaking opportunity that came my way. I didn't worry if it was the right speaking opportunity, the right audience, if I was in front of my ideal clients, if it was a, a topic I really loved. I just wanted the experience of speaking and working with people and knowing how to approach groups and organizations and how to follow up with people and what to do and, you know, how to do public speaking in a way that is compelling. And so I said yes to every podcast interview, every speaking opportunity, every potential client, right? At the beginning, I said, yeah, I took every meeting. And that's what Daryl said in his interview was say yes to every meeting. If somebody wants to meet with you, say yes, right? This is the fastest way to success. Say yes to every opportunity that comes your way until there comes a time that you can't do that anymore, right? And so what's that moment? Well, it's different for everyone. But what happened was I had maxed out my time with clients, right? So here I was saying yes to different types of clients at different price points. And I knew that there was a revenue that I needed to make and I had no ability to take on any more clients. I had maxed out. So I had to start saying no to potential clients. I had to start ending relationships with current clients. And by then I knew the types of clients that I wanted to work with. I knew the price points I needed to charge. I knew more about my business, right? So I said yes until I couldn't. 
And I had to start saying no. Same with speaking opportunities, right? As I got more clients and as I really understood how I worked with clients and how much time I needed to allocate for client work and how much time I needed to allocate for other pieces of my business, I knew then how much time I needed to allocate for speaking, for example. And so I knew then I had to create rules, and I've talked about this in previous episodes before, but I had to create rules and containers around what I said yes to for speaking and what I said no to, what I was available for and what I wasn't. I had to get really clear about my goals and how speaking helped me get there and what speaking opportunities did not. And I had to start saying no, right? Same thing for podcast interviews. I couldn't be on every, I had to have rules and containers around why was I being on podcasts? What was my goal? What podcast interviews would help me get there or not, right? So at the beginning, you say yes to every meeting, every opportunity, every coffee, everything, but then very quickly, you're going to get to a point where you have to start saying no. And that that's how Daryl said musicians amass followers, right? They say yes to everything. They play every gig. They play every birthday party. They play everything that they can. They're taking every meeting. They're meeting with every person. They're not worried about if it's a perfect record label or the perfect gig or the perfect bar or the perfect venue, they're saying yes, 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 yes. They amass followers. They're learning how to get better, right? Just like I said with speaking. By saying yes to every kind of speaking opportunity and not worrying if it was the right group of people that could hire me or if it was the perfect venue for me to speak at or if it was going to have you know, all my ideal clients or whatever. Like by me just speaking everywhere that I could, I got to practice speaking, right? By interviewing people for this podcast without worrying about are they the perfect guest or are they the right guest and just interviewing people I was curious to interview, right? I can get better at interviewing. I can get better at speaking. By taking on all of the types of clients that I did, I got better at coaching in general, right? So the more that you say yes, the more opportunities you have to build a following, to build that awareness in you and what you do. And also you have more opportunities to learn how to be better at the things that you're doing, right? And then you're able to start saying no, all right? Because success comes from what you say no to, more than what you say yes to, except at the beginning, guys. At the beginning, you really do need to say yes. I think that one of the holdups is when people come to me and they're like, well, I don't have any clients. And I'm like, well, why don't you have any clients? Well, I can't find anybody who's willing to pay me $20,000 a year to do this thing and blah, blah, blah. And this is the perfect kind of client I want to work with. And I've heard you shouldn't charge a penny less than your value. And I only am available for my ideal clients. And I only want people who are willing to work this schedule. And it's like, you don't start there. Right? You can definitely have these things as rules and containers and, and guidance that help you get there. But that's just not where you start to build the following, to get really great at what you do. And that loops back with being becoming excellent at what you do, right? So say yes to everything. So these eight hacks, which were really shared by Daryl in episode 41. Again, if you have not listened to that, really listen to it. It was full of even more than this, guys. I just, I had to pull out my favorite pieces, right? But I've shared mindsets before that I think are important too, right? Like you have to really believe, you have to be unattached from the outcome. You have to know it's completely and totally inevitable that things are happening. Those do feel a little more intangible to people. So I wanted this episode to be on mindsets that are very practical, that you can measure, that you can do exercises and practices for, that you can journal around, that you can look at and say, I got it. I have a system. I have a process. I have a strategy for implementing these mindsets. And to hear that they were all talked about by Daryl in his episode 
And it was all in relation to the entrepreneurship of music and what makes one musician more successful than another musician. And to hear it all come together, these were the perfect things to share with you for your ultimate success in your business. So again, the eight mindset hacks. Love the process of building your business as much as you love doing the work, right? So you have to figure that out. What are your strengths? What are the skills you love using? What are the things about building a business you enjoy? What don't you enjoy? What do you want more of? What do you want less of? How can we put that together in a strategy for you, right? Stop waiting to be discovered. Let go of your fear of being annoying. Embrace the other perspective that you are exciting and energizing and people can't get enough of you. Be excellent at your craft. Be excellent at what you do. Master what you do, right? And you can do that by saying yes to almost every opportunity until you really can no longer say yes, right? And sometimes you do need help, support. That's what I help my clients do. I help them learn when that moment is that they need to start saying no. But until then, say yes. Make sure that what you do is solving a problem and make sure that how you're talking about it is showcasing that you're being useful, right? Don't just believe that what you do is the problem that you solve. Really own that you help solve bigger problems than you could ever imagine, right? And work through the imposter syndrome that it's gonna come up inside of you about all of that. And you might need help, you might need support, right? That's easier to do to identify the problems that you solve and to really own that you can help solve those bigger problems when you use a laser instead of that big wide net to go narrow and who you're helping, what you're helping them achieve. You can see the bigger picture that way because you're not looking at so much. You're seeing the bigger picture for a smaller segment and that will allow you to be a specialist instead of a generalist, right? Own you, right? This is a piece then when you say, oh my gosh, I really do help people with sales, even though I would have never thought of photography as a solution to that. I really do help people generate revenue. I really do, even though I'm not a business coach, even though I'm not a sales coach, what I do helps people with that. Or I help people live healthier lives and when they're living healthier lives or a better parent, or I really do help people find love, even though you think what you do is just help people write a better profile online or whatever it is, right? When you own that bigger problem, it's easier to start saying, this is why me, this is why you want me, this is what I'm good at at doing, right? So you have to start stepping in to the fact that people want you more than they want what you do, that there are a million people that do what you do. What we do is not usually unique. There are other people that do what we do, right? And there are other people that for the most part kind of do it in the same way. There are maybe fewer people, but people that kind of do it the way you do it. But why you. You are good at what you do because why? What is unique and special about you? And how can you tap into that, right? But you have to own that. And a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with accepting that they rock, that they kick ass. They think they're good at what they do. I'm a great business coach. I'm a great strategist. I'm a great this. I'm a great speaker. I'm a great, yeah, great. But why are you great as a person? I want to know. Tell me, right? Um, You have to start getting feedback. Start getting feedback so you can get over rejection. Reframe how you view rejection because that is what will allow you to move forward, right? And again, like I said, say yes to everything. Say yes to everything, right? So 
Hopefully, these are more tangible mindsets. These sound like actions, but they're really rooted in mindset and a different way of thinking about things, right? Thinking about building your business in a different way, thinking about how you come across to other people in a different way, thinking about what you do for people in a different way, thinking about how people hire and why they purchase and why they're purchasing from you in a different way, reframing rejection in a different way, and approaching, right, what you choose to do and don't do in a different way. If you can embrace these eight mindset hacks, which are very practical, very actionable, very measurable, and I told you how you could put them into practice today, I guarantee you cannot help but realize bigger, more instant, more sustainable results in your business, whether that's more sales, more clients, generate more revenue, pull in more opportunities, this is the place to start. So think of yourself as that musician, but the musician who wants this to be the day job and not the hobby, right? And that means you have to wear that CEO hat. You have to embrace being that CEO. And that always comes from mindset first, strategy second. And it doesn't matter how great your mindset is. You could be working on your mindset every single day, right? But what my clients have learned is there is always a new level of mindset. There's always a new thing that comes up that challenges our way of thinking, that we need help with our mindset. When we go into the next level of business, when we start to grow into the next opportunity, our mindset will pop up again and again. So it's not like a road and you're trying to reach the goal line and say, great, now I've mastered mindset. I'm good there. It's like an onion, right? You peel one layer of the onion away, but then there's another whole layer and then there's another whole layer. And that's why I started my mastermind called the Six Figure CEO Mastermind. Now, the next round of this program starts in August. But what this is, these are business owners that are realizing results or have the mindset of wanting to achieve six figures. So you're either achieving six figures or you know, without a doubt, you will achieve six figures in your business and you are ready for the support that you need to step into the role of CEO to understand what mindsets those are, but how you put them into action and also understand what does it mean to be the CEO? How do you do a weekly review? How do you do a quarterly review? How do you do a half year review? How do you do an end of the year review? What kinds of reports are you running? What kind of metrics are you running? What does it mean to be innovative? What does it mean to like be innovative with your business model? How do you talk about what you do in a way that sells you so that people buy what you do? How do you do all of this from that bigger seat that bigger corner office of the CEO, because being the service provider is very different. Being the salesperson in your business is very different than being the CEO. And I think that that's a term we hear a lot, be the CEO, but we don't know how to do it in a practical way. And that's why I started the Six Figure CEO Mastermind, to help people step into the mindsets and the actions immediately, becoming the Six Figure CEO right now through their actions, their mindsets, and their behaviors so they attract six figures to them easily and effortlessly. So the next round starts in August. Applications are open, guys. I have the the members who are in there get first crack at coming back. But I do, this is the first time that I have had openings in the last round did not. So it's a six month program. So the round that we're just ending at the end of July did not have openings for any new members, right? But I do have openings for new members for the next six months. So if you are curious, you can go to the link, which is in the show notes, 
Check out all the details of the Six Figure CEO Mastermind. Message me and ask me, see if this is the right fit for you. But if you are ready to step into that next level, if you are ready for that sustainable business, if you are ready to embody all of these mindsets, if you're ready to just walk into the next day being the CEO so that you attract all of the opportunities that that CEO would attract so you realize all the results you want, and you want to do it in a supportive environment, right, with real tangible, like, takeaways of what it means to run a business and get that support you need and get feedback from other people. And, 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 I promise, I have put everything into this pot and mixed it all together to help you. So go to the link in the show notes, check it out. You're going to be hearing much more about it in the group, The All in Entrepreneur, on my newsletter. You're going to be hearing about it a million ways under the sun, right? So you can get more and more excited about it too, because I really do know that this is the difference maker for so many that are kind of wanting to reach that consistent revenue, wanting to hit six figures. They feel kind of closer. They feel like it it should be happening and it's not. When they step into this, this is a difference maker for them. So anyway, I hope this helped you. I hope you have a great week and I cannot wait to bring you another exciting interview on next week's episode of the Rita Made Me Do It show. Hey, before you go, thank you for listening to my show. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the Rita Mimi Do It show. And my goal is to share this business boosting and life-changing content with as many people as possible. In fact, because I value your time so much, Every month, one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. So if you want to get laser focused and go all in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. And then head on over to readamamedoit.com where you can find the show notes from today's episode.